Wanted to talk about a topic that, frankly, we don't spend enough time talking about, and it's the epidemic of domestic violence. And we have the perfect guest to help lead us through the discussion. Carmen Petrie is the executive director of Sojourner Family Peace Center, and she is with us. Carmen, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, John. Thanks for having me. I I think it's an important conversation. Uh, It is. And I want to thank you right off the bat for what you do for women, for men, for families in our community. It's important work. So thank you for that. Well, you're welcome. We have about 100 people working at Sojourner who are doing a fabulous job of working with survivors. So I'll accept that on their behalf. Tell us how bad the situation is. We all read the occasional high-profile incident when it's in the newspaper. We see it on the news. Um, is, is, how can we quantify how serious this is in our community? Well, I think in the summer before COVID, we noticed that things were going up in terms of lethality, and those are cases where clients are more likely to be murdered. We still have way too many cases in Milwaukee County. We serve about uh, almost 8,000 clients a year, and we believe we're only, um, you know, dealing with the tip of the iceberg. There's far more people who are not coming forward, and if you look at the lethal violence, we have too many um, cases, too many instances where people are on the verge of being murdered, and uh, systems break down during COVID that cause problems across the board. So, you know, I would say the numbers spiked during COVID. We had... Uh, Prior to COVID, a bad year is about 25 domestic violence homicides a year. In 2020, we hit 52, 42, I believe, in uh, 21, and uh, about 40 or 41 in 22. And we're we're keeping on pace, maybe a little less than that. One homicide is too many. You talk to any family uh, that's been impacted. The second area of concern, so I would say increasing uh, homicide rates, increasing number of cases, way too many kids who are witnessing violence at home. Yeah, Carmen, one of the things I, I think about when the topic comes up is, number one, were there, were there kids there? And number two, if, if, if one sector or segment of the population here, especially in Wisconsin, you know, suffers this burden more than another, are, are there findings to that regard? Yes. Yes, in 32% of the cases we reviewed, so we have a a lethality team, a domestic violence high-risk team. We publish a report every year. They reviewed about 1,000 cases uh, last year, and the good news is it's a very effective model. The partners are uh, the police departments, both uh, city of Milwaukee and suburban departments, Department of Correction, district attorney's office, and other nonprofits can also make referrals to the team. They meet a couple of times a week. The findings from, uh, from last year, 32% of the time children were on the scene witnessing things like shootings, stabbings, and other serious crimes. So, you know, that has a lifelong impact. If you talk to adults who are in situations, they often were witnessing violence as children. So the bad news is, you know, kids learn violence from their environment, and they live out that legacy unless they get some help or intervention. And the good news is violence is a learned behavior, so it can be unlearned. Karen Petrie is the president and CEO of Sojourner Family Peace Center. Do restraining orders work? They do work. They're not effective in every case. I can tell you my almost 40-year career, people have always said, well, it's a piece of paper, Carmen. And what I say back is, yes, it is. But it's a very important piece of paper. 
And most offenders will, when a court has had a finding that there's evidence and they grant this order of protection, what it means is that person is not allowed to hurt, harm, stalk, or contact you either directly or through a third party. So I don't have to wait for an assault to happen before police can make an arrest. They can make an arrest just based on on the violation of the order itself. The hard thing is not all um, offenders or abusers will stop. They'll, they'll walk right through it. And those are the lethal cases that we deal with on the team. You know, there are, um, thankfully, not every case is in that lethal area, but there are some offenders, abusers, who are just intent on creating harm. They also can be suicidal themselves, and they'll self-harm or they'll harm other people around them. So restraining orders are an important tool, but it's one tool in a, in a toolbox. Now, Carmen, I'm sure you, you, you've heard or seen many victims who live in silence, right? They don't know where to go. They don't feel connected. Whether it's Sojourner, the police, or another outlet, it, are there ways for victims to become connected, to share their story, even if it's not your place? I'm sure you want what's best right. for all the individuals involved. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's our main message. And the other finding in the report is most of the survivors, um, most of the victims in homicides were not connected to any organization. So our message is, if someone's threatening you, please believe the threat. If they're threatening to kill you using a gun, uh, strangling you, those are highly lethal situations. Believe that person when they say they're going to kill you. Uh, and call someone, if not police, Sojourner, call another program. There are seven other culturally specific programs in the city that can help you. And if you don't feel comfortable calling a program, we have a 24-hour hotline. You can text us. You can go to familypeacecenter.org. But if you don't feel comfortable calling a program, talk to a pastor, a friend, a family member. Begin to speak out. That's the beginning of breaking the isolation in your life. So our message is it doesn't have to be Sojourner. It can be any program or anyone in your life that you feel safe with. Carmen, we've all heard about violence peaking during football season or certain times of year can be triggers. Can you dive into that a little bit? Are there times of year that are more dangerous, or is that an oversimplification? I think, you know, it's a complex uh, set of circumstances in people's lives. I, I think around the holidays we all have a heightened sense of, sense of expectation and hope. And what we hear from survivors is they try their best to hold on during that time. Um, I would say, you know, any time an abuser or a person that doesn't know how to process their emotions, witness violence, learn that violence is a strategy, um, anytime they're disappointed or hurt or, or afraid, they have the potential to lash out at the people in their lives. And the closest person to them is often the survivor, this victim that they promised to love in the first place and the children who are living with them. Um, so I would say, you know, if you're living in a cycle of violence, it gets worse over time. Um, there are things that can make it worse, but the core of it is a person who is insecure, hasn't dealt with their own inner uh, turmoil, hasn't dealt with their own woundedness, and believes that violence is a strategy that works for them. So they, they hurt the people around them. Carmen Petrie is the executive director of Sojourner and Family Peace Center. Check out their website. I'm on it right now, familypeacecenter.org. You can get help for yourself. You can get help for others. You can have your questions answered. There's resources on here for helping children deal with experiencing and witnessing domestic violence. It's a great website, familypeacecenter.org. 
Carmen, thank you so much for being a voice in our community, and thanks for spending some time with us this afternoon. You're welcome. Thanks for shining a spotlight on this important issue.